Hello, welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life Obstacles. Uh, you're listening to Jerry McGee of Abiding Life Ministries in Lindale, Texas. And each time we're on the first and third Tuesdays of each month, we'll be teaching principles of the overcoming life. And basically, they've just come out of God teaching me how to be an overcomer. You know, the promises of God are to the overcomer, not to the overcome. And if you're listening tonight and you feel like you're <clears throat> overcome, be encouraged. God has given you everything that you need to live an overcoming life. We just have to stay yielded to him. You know, the Bible says that He that God's the potter and we're the clay. The clay does one thing, and that's yield to the potter, and the potter does all the rest. You know, if we're clay that's trying to turn the potter's wheel, we're into performance, perfectionism, good works, and we're into legalism. That's really where a lot of people are. You know, they're trained up to to perform, and so when they get saved, they think that God wants them to perform, which is just the opposite. Perfectionism, performance is just legalism, and it's really striving after the wind. God wants to, God wants to fashion you, mold you, shape you, make you, because even before you were born, God knew exactly what He had in mind for you. The Scripture says that you are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, under good works that He foreordained for you to walk in, and He already knew when He allowed you to be conceived. From the time, even before you were a living being, he knew exactly what he had for you. And if you stay on the potter's wheel through continuing to give up your life or denying yourself to take up your cross, other, another way of saying it is present your body to God as a living sacrifice. Um, walk in the spirit is another way of saying it. Uh, letting go of your life is another way of saying it. Giving up your life that you might find it is another way of saying it. But when we give up our life to the potter and we take all of our junky mess and we're all full of junk, all of us, you know, I can tell you I'm as submitted to God as I know how to be at this moment, but God looks down from heaven and sees that I'm still a work in progress. There's much that I don't see. Thank God that I only have to take accountability for what I see. And God uses the problems to to show me what's next on his uh, agenda of my sanctification process. So. Be encouraged tonight. Just keep on giving up to the potter, and it's the potter's job to take out the junk. It's the potter's job to turn the potter's wheel. It's the potter's job to beat the bubbles out of you, and that's what he does when he disciplines us. And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of bubbles beat out, and God is still uh, working in me to refine me. And the Bible says that God uses everything you go through to conform you into his image, to make you more like Jesus. And so that's us. He wants us to go from glory to glory and strength to strength and praise God that we can. But each, um, uh, the first Tuesday and the third Tuesdays of each month will be on from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. And um, uh, if you want prayer at the end of the program, you know, you don't have to give your name. I know sometimes it might be hard to call in because, um, you don't want to give your name, and I don't blame you. I probably would feel the same way. So just say you want to be anonymous, and we'll be glad to pray for you. Uh, the number to call when I get through teaching is 646-595-4784, and don't forget to press 1. You can go on my website, jerrymcgee.com, and you can find a lot of free articles uh, to print out. In fact, I'll be teaching tonight on financial problems, and you can 
go on, on my website, jerrymcgee.com. That's G like George, E-R-I, McGee, M-C-G-H-E-E.com. And you can find the, 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 the outline of what I'll be teaching on tonight. I've added a few that are not listed on there. But um, anyway, we would love for you to continue listening in. And um, if you would like uh, a schedule of where we're going to be, if we're going to be in your area, or if you would like a seminar uh, scheduled in your area, you can email me at jerrymcgee.com. I'm sorry, that goes to the website. And from there, you can email me. But you can also email me by jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net. And so I'd like to begin by just praying. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come to you and I ask today, Lord, that I be a tree of life, that rivers of living water come forth from my innermost being. Father, I ask that the eyes of every heart be enlightened. I pray, Lord, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit, the anointing that breaks the yoke. I pray for the truth that sets people free. Father, I cover this program and every person who's listening in with the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray a special covering of warrior angels over Dorothy and her family and over me and my family, over every person who's listening in and their families and all of our concerns, to boomerang back on the enemy, every every curse, assignment, satanic ritual spoken over us, not to kill them, hurt them, harm them, but so they'll fear God and turn away from evil. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over every Uh, demonic spirit working in any person who's listening in i bind you satan principalities powers rulers of darkness wicked spirits in heavenly places i bind you in the heavenly places and on this earth and i forbid you to work with communicate with make contact with anyone in this earth or anyone on this earth or in the heavenly places to work divination against us in the name of jesus in jesus name i just uh throw every curse to the ground in Jesus' name, I bind a strong man over every life. And, Lord, I pray tonight for the truth that sets each person free for the anointing of your Holy Spirit that breaks the yoke. Lord, I pray that I'll not speak in human words of wisdom, but with your Holy Spirit's words and your Holy Spirit's power. Lord, I thank you that your word will go forth tonight like a fire and like a hammer that breaks rock. Lord, I commit my way to you. and You said my thoughts will be established. So I thank you for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name. And so the title of this message is 42 Reasons for Financial Problems, and there's probably others, but God has just shown me 42 reasons. And this basically, this teaching basically came out at a time in my life some 15 years ago or so when I was having financial difficulties. Not to say that, that uh, things don't get kind of hard sometimes, but I've seen God bless me ever since I've gone through the Word of God by just doing a word study in the word of God and repenting over scriptures. And these are, these are the scriptures that came out of this word study. And I trust that they're going to bless you. And I encourage you, as I named these different reasons for financial problems, I encourage you to repent of each one. And repent means to confess your sin. Lord, forgive me. Just say, Lord, forgive me. If, whether you think it applies to you or not, because if you didn't do it, your forefathers did. And the scripture says the sins of the fathers pass on to the children to the third and fourth generation until we break them. So if you're listening and you've had financial problems, and even if you haven't, you know, I've seen things even tonight as I've been preparing for this message, <coughs> excuse me, to, I could repent over I mean, things that 
other things that the Lord showed me. So, so be repenting, and the more you repent, the more freer you'll get, and the more freedom you'll have, and the more healthy you'll be, and the happier you'll be. Um, the scripture says, happy is the man who puts his trust in the Lord. And so um, let me just tell you, too, whenever you have any difficulty with anything, just uh, look up all the words in the Bible and repent over them, whether you think you, you are guilty or not. If it says trust in the Lord with all your heart, well, you know, I can say, Lord, I haven't trusted you with all my heart. If it says lean not into your own understanding, I say, oh, dear God, I've done that my whole life. Please forgive me. And just repent over each scripture, whether you think you're guilty or not, and then take accountability. Forgive your forefathers for doing the same thing and take accountability for it. And then break the curses. And uh, that's basically how I have, God has used that to show me how to walk in divine health for 24 years. And I, I, I just bless God, really, actually for 78, almost 79 years, God has blessed me with good health. And I'm thankful. I give him all the glory and all the praise because I certainly don't deserve it. And so God wants us to be prosperous. And there's, there's scriptural reasons to why our finances are hindered, why we're not healed, why we're not healthy. Uh, why we're not blessed. And so for us to get God's blessings, make ourselves blessable by aligning our life with the, with the word of God. Um, there's generational, and, you know, you could, you could include in all of these, whether you've done them or not, your, your forefathers have. Because, uh, like, for example, the sins of the fathers pass on to the third and fourth generation. That's 30 or 40 forefathers. And if I don't break the curses, they loop another day every day, and it just continues on through the generations. And so um, I've found at least 42 reasons, and there's possibly, I'm sure there are more that I haven't seen yet, but I'll add them as God shows them to me. Number one thing is dishonoring your father and mother. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, if you uh, dishonor your mother and father, it says, children, obey your mother, uh, uh, honor your mother and father that all may be well with you. You know, that could cover a lot of uh, answers to a lot of our problems because in any place we've dishonored our mother and father, our life is not going well. And so this could be covering other areas, but if you're having financial areas and you haven't honored your mother and father, for sure this is your reason. Uh, You know, we can judge our mother and father, for example, for being poor, make vows that, you know, when I get out of this house, I'm not going to be poor like my mom and dad. I'm going to have this, I'm going to have that. Well, those vows are turning to false gods. Those judgments will continue to reap in your life until you take accountability, till you bring it to the cross, till you cancel the judgments that you've made on your mother and father. You might have judged your mother and father for being rich. Or, you know, in my case, my parents ended up rich, but in my earlier years, they worked all the time. And I judged them for working all the time. I wanted my mother to be a stay-at-home mom. And she was a businesswoman. She worked all the time. Now I can thank God for it because um, because of the inheritance that I received from them. I'm certainly not rich because I had brothers, sisters, and nieces and nephews that it was divided among. But I can say that I've, I've been able to live comfortably because of my, my mother and daddy's hard work. And so I thank God for that. Uh, also, you know, as I was repenting over these things, my, my grandfather was a Baptist preacher, and I, and I never knew him to work a day in his life. Well, my mother and daddy, my daddy, his son, made money, got rich, and judged his father for being poor because 
um, that ministers what they do because they don't work. You know, that's what that was his judgment because they do work. But my particular grandfather had been not working from the time I was a little girl. And um, judging him for that, my daddy would judge people. In fact, he judged me because I was in the ministry. He wanted me to do something that was, you know, more profitable, making money, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, I had to forgive him for that. I had to forgive, I had to forgive my father for judging his father. Uh, I, I had to repent of judging my mother and father for, for just uh, working all the time to make money. And uh, I, had to judge, I had to repent of judging my mother for uh, not being a stay-at-home mom. And now I can thank God for all their hard work. But back then, uh, I, was, uh, I was resentful of it. Uh, I had a friend whose mother always was the greatest cook, and she always had cookies and everything ready for her kids when they got home from school. Later on, that dear lady <clears throat> died of, of alcoholism. But anyway, I can praise God today for my parents. But any place you've judged your mother and father, um, life will not go well for you. Deuteronomy 5 said Deuteronomy 4 a while ago, but it's Deuteronomy 5, 16. It says, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long, <clears throat> your days may be prolonged so it promises you a long life and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God has given you. And so the second, <clears throat> the second financial pro- reason for financial problems is wickedness. You know, in uh, Matthew 18, Jesus called the servant who wouldn't forgive, you wicked slave, he said. So unforgiveness puts you in a category of wickedness. In fact, Jesus said if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And so um, we've all had... Uh, as we've thought about our bloodlines and things that have come down, we've all had wicked forefathers. Proverbs, and some of us have been wicked. Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Proverbs fifteen six says, much wealth is in the house of the righteous, but trouble is in the income of the wicked. Proverbs eleven uh, eighteen says, the wicked earn deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness gets a true reward. Another reason for financial problems the third reason, and I said the second, so that means there's really 43 reasons, is uh, arrogance and pride. Job 15 25 through 29 says, because he has stretched out his hand against God and conducts himself arrogantly against the Almighty, he he will never come to he will never become rich, nor will his wealth endure, and his his grain will be, will not bend down to the ground. And you know, grain that bends down to the ground is a is a it's a type of prosperity because a farmer who has grain that that bends down to the ground is a sign of prosperity. And, of course, you may say, well, I'm not a farmer, I don't have grain. But it basically just has to do with God blessing your stuff, whatever your stuff is, as long as, it does, as, long as it's not illegal stuff. <clears throat> Proverbs 22, verse 4 says, The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. The fourth reason for um, financial problems is obtaining wealth by fraud. Now, fraud means to 
uh, to deceive somebody, or it, it means trickery. Uh, it means to break a break a, a commitment or a contract or to deceive people. <clears throat> Proverbs 13, verse 11 says, Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who, who gathers uh, by labor increases it. Proverbs 15, 27 says, <clears throat> He who profits illicitly, means illegally, uh, means uh, breaking the law, troubled his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. The scripture says that whoever that that a, a bribe will blind the eyes of the person who's bri- who's been bribed. Proverbs ten two says, "Ill-gotten gain gains do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death." <clears throat> Another uh, the fifth cause of financial problems is neglecting God's discipline. Proverbs thirteen eighteen says. Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. The sixth reason is lack of diligence. Proverbs 21, verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent surely lead to advantage, but everyone who's hasty or who does something too quick comes surely to poverty. Now, being diligent has to do with, you know, Thinking things out, having to do with being persistent, uh, being uh, thoughtful and considerate of, you know, what the consequences are, means to be prudent. Try to do something so quick that it'll bring you to poverty. <clears throat> the next reason, the seventh reason, is foolishness. Uh, a foolish person is one who does not act with wisdom. A foolish person is one who neglects duty. But Proverbs 21, verse 20 says, There's precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. In other words, what he does with what he has, he operates without wisdom, and so he squanders what he has. The ninth reason is wearing yourself to gain wealth. Proverbs 23, 4 through 5 says, do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. And so if we set our eyes on it, it disappears. And, um, and this could be another route to eye problems, setting your eyes, not focusing your eyes on Jesus, but focusing your eyes on the wrong thing. The tenth reason is being haughty, I'm sorry, is being a heavy drinker and a glutton. Proverbs 23, verse 21 says, For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. You know, I've uh, not been a drinker of alcohol, but I can tell you food will make you drowsy. And so... You see how drink, uh, alcohol and gluttony are tied in together. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe the man in rags. Because alcohol and overeating will make you want to sleep, where you're lazy, and it'll bring you to poverty, clothe you with rags. In fact, you know when you're when you're baptized in Christ, it says you're clothed with. And so, if we, according to this scripture, you can lose your spiritual clothing um, by being a glutton and a heavy drinker. 
In fact, the Bible says no drunk will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've never been drunk on alcohol to where I didn't have my bearings. You know, my earlier years before I became a Christian, I, I remember having several times having a drink, and maybe two drinks would make me sick. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be drunk. I mean, I'd know what I was doing, but I'd be so sick, I'd be throwing it all up. So I was kind of a... Um, was a person that really couldn't drink, and thank God for that because the food thing was enough because I have been a glutton. And I can tell you food has, what you eat will absolutely drag you down. When you eat healthy, you don't you don't have to get as half tired as you do when you eat a bunch of junk. I remember when my little granddaughter was two years old, she came to my house and she wanted some candy or something. I said, no, honey. You can't have junk. That's just junk. You have to eat your food first. You can't have junk. So the next day, her mother said, uh, Kylie, what do, you, what, what do you want for lunch? And she said, I want some junk. <laughs> and so, but anyway, overeating, watch what you eat because today, and, and something else, you know, whether you overeat or not, today there's so many preservatives in the food that um, you, you'll not feel good if you don't eat healthy when you eat a bunch of things that, not good for you it'll drag you down healthy uh, it makes you feel better and when you don't overeat the 11th reason is being a sluggard the scripture says in proverbs 24 i passed by the field of a man lacking sense and it was completely overgrown grown with thistles in other words he was letting his garden just full of, up with weeds and it says a little sleep a little slumber a little just a little folding of the hands to rest and it says, then your poverty will come as a robber and you'll want like an armed man. Proverbs 20, verse 13 says, do not love sleep lest you become poor. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with food. The twelfth reason is following empty pursuits. That means living a lifestyle of fruitlessness, worthless uh, pursuits, um, living after vanity, um, striving after the wind, Ecclesiastes says. Uh, pursuing things that have no eternal value. Proverbs 28, verse 19 says, He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty aplenty. And, of course, if we live if we live our life following empty pursuits, we live a fruitless life. And in John 15, God says that he'll cut you off. Um, but he says if you abide in him, you'll produce much fruit. The thirteenth reason is working with a negligent hand. Proverbs ten verse four says, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And so a diligent would be a person would be a person that would be persistent, thoughtful in, in the way he goes, prudent, watching the danger, uh, choosing the right path, operating in wisdom. It says makes rich. Not only does it make a person physically rich, but also uh, spiritually rich The 14th reason is not being gracious To the poor And I want to say this about the poor So many times Christians are an easy Easy, easy touch For a deadbeat the, the, the poor if you look up the word Poor in the Hebrew It means a person that Is poor and pious Which means a person that's trying to live a holy life Basically It means to be pious Um to be humble um, it, it, This is a picture of a person Who's struggling Doing everything they can to make it That's who the poor is Not the deadbeat There's many many people that keep enabling deadbeats 
people that don't want to work, people that want to uh, drink up their money, uh, people that want to um, squander what they have. Um, and, and they seems like they always find someone that will have false compassion and enable them. You know, if you're a parent that's enabling a deadbeat child or a child that's on drugs or alcohol, the more you help them, the more you bail them out. You're just prolonging your agony. As long as you're trying to be their savior, they don't need one. But the scripture says that when my mother and father forsake me or cut me loose, the Lord will take me up. And so when parents, we're to love our children, but we're not to enable them, not to help them in their drug problems or the alcohol problems. You know, God is trying to discipline them. And, and uh, if you stand in the way, you're the one that gets the whip in. So back away and just pray for them and just love them, but don't help them. Let them suffer the consequences of their bad choices. Proverbs 28, verse 27 says, He who gives to the poor will never want, but he who shuts his eyes will have many curses. And so this is talking about a poor, pious, humble person that's trying with all their heart to make it but needs help. Proverbs 19:17 says, He who is gracious to the poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. And I can tell you, if you're a person that enables somebody in their sin, when God's trying to discipline them, can I tell you, you're in rebellion, and you're, the person that you're enabling will never change as long as you're trying to be their savior. You know, I, can, I could use this. My son is an example. My 25-year-old son died of AIDS in 1989, and my mother, because she, she couldn't bear the thought of him living on the street, sent him back in, 19, in 1982, sent him about $2,400 a month. Now, that was a lot of money then. It's not a lot of money now, but it was a lot of money then because she couldn't bear the thought of him living on the street. But you know what? If he had had to live on the street, he'd be still alive today because I was praying, Lord, do whatever it takes to save this man, this young man's soul. I didn't, you know, I'm not blaming my mother, but, but I'm just trying to give you an example of what happens when you enable. Because I didn't want him on the street either. I never tried to stop her. I couldn't have if I would have wanted to, but I didn't try either. Um, but I was praying, Lord, do whatever it takes to save him. Whatever it takes. And had he had to sleep on the street, it wouldn't have taken AIDS to bring him to salvation. I can praise God he's saved today. But um, in other words, the Lord had to give him a problem my mother couldn't fix because she would fix whatever she could to bail him out. And so uh, let let that be a warning to the, to those parents, those of you who are listening in who enable your children. Because as long as you enable them, they won't change. Because God's trying to get to something in you. He's trying to get a weakness healed in you. 21.13 says, He who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. The 15th reason is loving pleasure. Proverbs 21.17 says, He who loves pleasure will become a poor man, and he who loves wine and oil will not become rich. The 16th reason is oppressing the poor are given to the rich. And I could say the rich could be some of these TV evangelists that keep keep taking advantage of widows and, 
and uh, people that are simple, simple, silly, and easily seduced, if they really believe that, that if you give, that you receive, they would be given to you instead of wanting you to give to them. So oppressing the poor would be taking advantage of the poor. Proverbs 14.31 says, He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who is gracious to the, to the needy honors him. 2 verse 16 says, He who oppresses the poor to make much for himself or he who gives to the rich will not will come only to poverty. The seventeenth re- reason is increasing wealth by usury, which means uh, char- charging uh, excessive interest rate, or to um, to cause uh, a Christian have to to have to pay um, interest. In fact, we're not to, we're not to charge interest to a brother Christian. This is not talking about going to the bank and getting something for interest or having to pay interest on money you buy, but it, it has to do with Christian, a Christian brother or whoever maybe owns a bank that charges excessive interest. You could say these credit card companies that charge 24% interest. That's usury. Proverbs 28 verse 8 says, He who increases his wealth by interest and usury gathers it for him who is gracious to the poor. The 18th reason is being a thief. In Proverbs, it says there's a curse on the house of a thief. Proverbs 6, verse 31 says, if you catch a thief, he has to pay back seven times in all the substance of his house. Zechariah 5, 4 says, I will make, and God's talking about the curse, speaking of the curse, I'll make it go forth, declares the Lord of hosts, and it will enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name and will spend the night in that house and consume and consume it with its timber and stones. And this also has to, to do with uh, swearing falsely or being a false witness. The 19th reason is occult involvement, making covenants to false gods, making satanic covenants, covenants to Freemasonry, uh, covenants to these sororities and fraternities and false religions, um, satanic covenants, new age things. There's a lot of new age things going on. You know, so many people in the church are into essential oils, and basically it's witchcraft. You know, it's nothing wrong with going to a health food store and getting a bottle of uh, um, frankincense or getting a bottle of something, but, but these concoctions are are done with the intent of uh, witchcraft and their potions. And they actually, the scary thing is they, they actually work time, but then they draw you away from the Lord. They draw you away from church. They, they um, cause you to be lukewarm for the Lord. And, and, you know, the devil doesn't mind removing a small demon if he can put in a bigger one. And so I just, I I ask you just to guard against uh, a lot of things that look good really aren't. And so making covenants to false gods, uh, to make altars to false gods, you know, loving anything more than you love Jesus. And, you know, when you make a covenant with Jesus, you're making a covenant to be the holy bride of Christ. And so when you get into these other things, you're breaking covenant with the Lord. Jeremiah 13, I'm sorry, 17, 3 says, O mountain of my name and the countryside, I will give over your wealth and all your treasures for booty. Your high places for uh, sin throughout 
your borders. I shall also give over all the wealth of this city and all the produce and all its costly things and all the treasures of the kings of Judah. I'll give over to the hand of uh, your enemies and they will plunder them and take them and bring them into Babylon, which represents the world. The 20th reason is imposing heavy rent uh, upon the poor. That's to take advantage of the poor. Giving, for example, renting a house to somebody, a poor person, and and you're you're charging more than the house is worth. Um, that that would fall under the category of taking advantage of the poor. Amos five eleven says, therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor and exact a tribute of grain from them, and though you excuse me, though you have built houses of well hewn stone. Yet you will not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, and you will not drink the wine of them. The 21st reason is sowing sparingly causes you to reap sparingly. Luke 6.38 6, says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Now, this, this has to do with good or evil. If you, give, if you give evil to somebody, you're going to get that back more later in the same thing. If you give good things, you're going to get back more later in the same thing. So it says, give, good or bad, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour into your lap for you. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. So whatever you give, you're going to get back. This is not necessarily talking about uh, money, but this and this is used a lot of times for with uh, people that are trying to use it to gain money or gain gifts. But and I want to say this, this message is not a manipulation for money, but it's just to give you insights as to why you might be having financial problems if you are and to guard against any future problems. Uh and they'll pour it into your lap for by your standard of measure it'll be measured back to you. Um the scripture goes on to say in other places, he who sows righteousness gets a true reward. Um first Corinthians I'm I'm sorry, Galatians six says um, that if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap life eternity. Real, uh, you reap eternal life. I'm sorry. Second Corinthians eight fifteen says, as it is written, he who gathered much didn't have much, and he who gathered little had no lack. Now this I say: he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. But in, in verse seven, uh, nine, chapter nine, verse seven, it says in Second Corinthians, it says that each one uh, do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. For God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always in, you'll have all sufficiency in everything. You may have an abundance for every good deed. In verse nine, it says. As it is written, he scattered abroad, and he gave to the poor. His righteousness abides forever. Now, he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for the for and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of your righteousness. You will be um, enriched in everything. For all lib, 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 I'm sorry, liberality, liberality. I'm not saying that right. 
Um, hold on just a minute. My iPad jumped about uh, two or three pages, so I've got to get back where I was. Verse 11 says, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. And so by your standard of measure, in other words, you hear in the world, the world say what goes around comes around. You can say that's true. That's the scriptural principle. Only God says it a different way. By your standard of measure, it's measured back to you. The 22nd a reason is being a covenant breaker. And in um, Hebrews uh, chapter 9, it says that a covenant is only valid when men are dead. And, of course, the old covenant was they had to keep the letter of the law. In the new covenant, you keep the new covenant by loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your spirit, and your neighbor as yourself. And so that fulfills the new covenant. But God says that a covenant is only valid when men are dead. And, and that doesn't mean God wants you to go out and kill yourself, but uh, uh, Romans 12, 1 says, how you and I are dead is when we present our body to God as a living sacrifice, when we deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus, when we give up our life that we might find it, when we walk in the Spirit, when we're on the potter's wheel. If he's the potter and I'm the clay, I have to yield to the potter. And so uh, I break covenant when I don't love the Lord. And, it, you know, it takes some time for me, for you, to, you and I to love people. We have to deny ourselves to love people sometimes. Sometimes it's easy to love the people that love you, but uh, the ones that don't love you, the turkeys in your face, um, it, you have to die to your flesh. You have to give up your life in order to love them. And so when we don't, uh, when we don't love, we break covenant. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember um, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant with you, which you swore to your fathers as it is to this day. So in covenant, he promises us prosperity. And the 23rd reason is not fearing the Lord in, in order to turn away from evil. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to turn away from, from evil. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Proverbs, uh, Psalms 112, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who, deli- who greatly delights in his commandments. Uh, Psalms 112, verse 2 says, His descendants will be mighty upon the earth, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth, honor, and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. What a promise for us and our children. The 24th Um, block to our financial problems is failure to love the Lord and walk in his wisdom Proverbs 8 18 says riches and honor are with me enduring wealth and righteousness to endow those who love me with wealth 
that I may fill their treasuries. You know, it says, um, and I think it's in the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, it says, he who does not love the Lord, let him be accursed. And then, of course, in John 14, Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And so you could say to endow those who love him, keep his commandments, walk in love. The new covenant is walk in love. Uh, who loves me, I'll fill with wealth. Uh, who love me with wealth that I may fill their treasuries. The 25th reason is unrighteous forefathers. Because the sins of the fathers pass on to the children to the third and fourth generation. Proverbs 13, verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. That would be um, also an evil man leaves an inheritance to his children. You know, because of familiar spirits, you know, we inherit good and evil things from our forefathers. And the evil things have to be put under the blood of Jesus. And, and you know, it's kind of like the scripture says that Levi paid tithes when he was in the loins of his father. And, of course, he was speaking of, his, of Abraham, who was his grandfather, I believe. But it says he, he paid tithes when he was in the loins of his father, which was Abraham. And that was a good thing. Well, if, if we can pay tithes which, tithes, which is a good thing, in the loins of our forefathers before we're even born, then we're also in the negative. It also affects us in the negative. The 26th reason is having an evil eye. Proverbs 28 verse 22 says, A man with an evil eye um, hastens after wealth and does not know that want will come upon him. The 27th reason is keeping company with harlots, Physical and spiritual harlots. You, we all know what a physical harlot is, a prostitute. But a spiritual prostitute or a spiritual harlot is a person who claims to be a Christian, claims to be the bride of Christ, has, has received Jesus as Savior, but is living after the flesh, living after other gods. And so when we do that as believers, we commit spiritual adultery and we're spiritual prostitutes. So it says keeping company with harlots, physical and spiritual proverbs. And, and, and let me say, too, if you're listening and you're a person that's prayed a prayer to receive Jesus and your heart has gone after other lovers and you've lived after the flesh and you've walked in disobedience to the Lord, can I tell you you're a spiritual harlot? And the scripture says that he'll, God says he mixes up a cup of the wine of his wrath and he pours it out upon the harlot to make her drunk. So this drunkenness movement, that's going on today in the church, it's not a blessing, it's a curse. And if you are interested in a, I wrote a little book called Drunkenness, Is It a Blessing or a Curse? And you can order it online, jerrymcgee.com. And um, in that book, I list every scripture that has to do with drunk, drunkenness, drunken, sober, alert, um, every scripture in the Word of God to show people there's not one scripture that says, that we're to be drunk. In fact, it says we're to be sober, sober for the purpose of prayer. In Galatians 5.19 says no drunk will enter the kingdom of heaven. And, of course, there are spiritual drunks and physical drunks. But spiritual drunkenness is people act like they're drunk when they have never had a drunk drink of alcohol. And it's really a judgment upon spiritual adultery. Proverbs 29 verse 3 says, A man who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but he who keeps company with harlots wastes his wealth. 
The 28th reason is the getting of treasures by by lying tongue. In other words, uh, lying to somebody to get money, even, you know, manipulating your parents. I had to repent of that. You know, I would, you know, kind of manipulate my parents for money, and I, I repented of that. But it says the getting of treasures by a lying tongue. <clears throat> Proverbs 21, 6 says the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor of the pursuit of death. And if you've ever, a good way to explain this, if you've ever opened a bottle of fingernail polish remover or a bottle of Energene, which is cleaning fluid, and left the lid off, it'll evaporate and the, the can will be empty or the bottle of, the bottle of fingernail polish remover will be empty. So it's, let me say this again. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor. It just evaporates. It's the pursuit of death. The 29th reason is talking when you should be working. I used to have the ministry forum, and I had so many people that just, I mean, they were such blabbermouths, and you'd give them a job, and they'd spend all their time talking instead of working. Proverbs 14:23 says, In all labor there's profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. You know, the scripture says in Proverbs, A babbling fool will be thrown down. A babbling fool is a person that never comes up for air. We know people, I know people that will absolutely hem you in a corner and wear you down with words. They hijack you with their words. And the Bible calls them a babbling fool. The 30th reason is swearing to the Lord and swearing to a false god. And, and in Zechariah, it's talking about Milcom, which, was a, which is a false god. Zephaniah 1 says, Moreover, their wealth will become plunder and their houses desolate. And they will build houses but not inhabit them and plant vineyards but not drink of the wine. The 31st reason is being greedy and selfish. Proverbs 22.9 says, He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. That's the poor, pious, humble person that's trying to do all they can to make it. Um there's a lady that there was a lady that called me and <clears throat> wanted me to pay her light bill, so I paid her light bill. And the next month, she called me again to pay her light bill, and I said, "Do you have family members?" And she said, "Yes, I have a daughter." And she said, "But she won't help me." And I said, "Well, why won't she help you?" And she said, "Because I smoke." And I said, "Ma'am, I'm sorry, but I won't help you either." You see, the poor is that poor pious person who's trying with all their heart to live a holy, righteous life not somebody that's just wanting to try to get everything they can from somebody and think the world owes them a living. The 32nd reason is withholding what is justly due. Proverbs 11, verse 24 says, There's one who scatters yet increases, and there's one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there's one who withholds that which is justly due, and it results only in want. So are you a person that gives or withholds from people what's justly due? The 33rd reason is bearing your talent because of a distorted view of God, seeing that God is, in in Matthew 25, it talks about uh, the talent, and and it says that you, it says because you see God as as harsh, stiff, and stern, reaping where he didn't sow and, and gathering where he didn't scatter any seed. And in that parable of the sower, God, um, I'm sorry, in the parable of the talent, um, the, 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 the Lord goes off, the, the owner goes off and he, he gives, um, 
he gives uh, five talents to one, he gives uh, three talents to another, and two talents to another, I believe. But anyway, anyway, the one who had the one talent, he buried it because he saw God as stiff, uh, harsh, stiff, and stern. Matthew 25, verse 26 says, But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. And then, of course, he assigned him to that place where there was reaping and gnashing of teeth. Another, the 34th reason for financial problems is laziness and indolence. Proverbs 19:15 says, Laziness casts a man into deep sleep. And an idle man will suffer hunger. The 38th reason is robbing God of the tithe. In Matthew 3, 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me, but you say, How have I robbed thee in tithes and offerings? So robbing God of tithes. And he goes on to say, You're cursed with a curse. The 40th reason is not honoring the Lord from your wealth. Proverbs 30, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, Verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The 41st reason is bringing in a cursed thing into your house. You know, Bill Gothard tells a story, if you've gone to his seminars, of a man who um, was very, very prosperous. And his his business was just expanding and just doing great. He went off to a foreign country and bought some things back from foreign countries that really were cursed. And he almost went broke. His business began to fall off. He began to lose money. He didn't know what in the world was wrong. He goes to Bill Gothard's seminar and learns about not bringing a cursed thing into your house. So him and his wife went home, got rid of everything they brought back from that foreign country. And... um, their business began to prosper again. In Acts 19.19, it talks about how the early church brought together all their occult objects and burned them, and it says the gospel spread. So not only can this affect you uh, uh, financially, it can affect you with sickness. In fact, the things you bring into your home can also bring sickness to your children, to your family, uh, to bring curses to your house. Deuteronomy 4.15 says, So watch yourselves carefully. Uh, since you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb from the midst of the fire, see, so that you not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that's on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that is uh, flies in the sky, the likeness of creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that's in the the waters below the earth and become and beware not to lift up your eyes to heaven and see the the sun and the moon and the host and the stars and the hosts of heaven and be drawn away to worship them and serve them for you for those which the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples of the whole heaven uh, but the Lord has taken you by the and brought you out of the fiery furnace from Egypt to a people for his own possession as today. So watch yourselves that you do not forget the covenant of your Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourself graven images in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. 
Now, God is saying not to make any, you know, we we go into homes and they're full of little whatnots and little little likenesses of animals and creeping things and teddy bears and statues and birds and all kinds of things. And I can tell you, the more of that kind of stuff you bring in your house, the more oppressing oppression is going to be in your house. And um, Deuteronomy 4, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 7 says, 25 says, The graven images of their gods you're to burn with fire. You shall not desire the silver or gold that's on them, nor take them for yourself, lest you be ensnared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Neither shall you bring an abomination, which is an idol, into your house, lest you become uh, an accur- unless you become an accursed thing like it, but you shall utterly detest it and, ab- and abhor it, uh, for it is a cursed thing. You know, I can tell you in my home, I don't have any kind of statues or any kind of icons or anything in my house. And I can tell you the peace of God is in my house. Now, I go out in my garage, and because it's a work area and it's sometimes cluttered, I don't have any occultic things out there. But there's more oppression in my garage than it is in my house because of, of clutter. That can also bring oppression. And so, you know, God works in order. And um, this is not to put anybody under a law, and, and but uh, has been a practice of mine. If I had any doubt about it, I'd say, Lord, if I'm supposed to have this, increase my peace. If I'm not supposed to have it, every time I look at it, cause it. And so, uh, so this is not to put anybody under any kind of a law or any kind of legalism, but it's just to obey God's word. Um, well... My um, my iPad froze, so I had to turn it off a minute. And so don't bring in a curse thing into your house. Um, when in doubt, throw it out. I remember when my son was in high school. My son is my pastor now, but when he was in high school, he was class favorite every year for four years in high school. And uh, he had all these little... Um, little things that they gave him these little it was like the academy awards like little trophies they had given him and my husband had a big wooden elephant that is what his mother had given him and it weighed about 30 pounds and it was on our on our fireplace mantle and um they went to a ball game or something but when when they left i was at that time i was having so many problems in the home and in the marriage that uh, when they came home, all that stuff had been burned in the barbecue pit. And some of that stuff didn't want to burn, but I put light, charcoal lighter on it and burned it anyway, whether it burned or not, broke it up. And my husband came home. He said, what happened to that elephant? I said, well, it got, uh, it, it's gone. And he said, my mother gave me that. I said, well, it's gone now. God says, when in doubt, throw it out. So anyway, I did. And God's peace came into my home. So if you're having oppression in your home, um, get rid of what, some things that the Lord tells you to. I remember another another friend of mine. Um, her had her daughter had this huge, great big about a four or five foot teddy bear in her little girl's bedroom, and one night she heard. Um, one night she heard her little girl in her little girl talking to something, and so she went into the and she went into the bedroom. I mean, she was watching the little girl was bending over and saying, come here, come here. 
that teddy bear had become animated. I mean, it's like a demon was speaking through that teddy bear. And so she got rid of it, obviously. So you be careful of the things you bring in your house because remember those uh, Cabbage Patch dolls years and years ago? Each one of them had the name of a Hindu god on them. And because the devil is smarter than Christians, uh, sometimes we're very naive about things. We think, well, because we got saved that we don't have to walk in the word. But um, God's word says dif- says differently. And so when you violate God's word, there's consequences um, of violating his word. And so don't bring in a cursed thing in your house. I remember another friend whose hu- husband died, and he had a Masonic ring, and it had a diamond in it. And she wanted to keep the ring because it was valuable. But God says don't don't covet the silver or gold that's on it. And don't put it in a place where somebody else can get it. You know, I told her, throw it in the lake where nobody can get it. And I don't know if she did or not. It's been a long time ago. But be careful of what you bring in your house. Not to bring an abomination into your house. The 42nd reason is word cursing yourself uh, and cursing others. And others cursing you. Cult is cursing you. And, of course, Proverbs 26.2 says, A curse without a cause cannot lie. But how many times we say we're broke? My husband used to say, I'm so broke, I can't pay attention. Or we said, well, I don't have the money. I can't afford it. I can't do this. I can't do that. I've, had, I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, you know, only the rich people can give. Well, you know, in the parable of the, the Pharisee and the publican, that poor publican, she, this woman gave all she had. I mean, it was like a penny. I mean, she gave all that she had. Or the rich man, he had much to give and just gave. He didn't give. He didn't give hardly anything because he had much to give. But the one who gave it all, that was the one that God honored. But death and life are in the power of the tongue. The scripture says in Proverbs, "He who guards his mouth guards his soul from troubles." And Jesus said, "You'll have what you say if you don't doubt in your heart." And so, what's in our heart comes out our mouth. And if we think we're broken, we're continually saying that. Listen, you have what you say, good or bad, evil or good. Um, so Jesus said, "You're going to have what you say if you believe what you say." So we need to change our conversation. We need to start speaking God's word over our life and not speaking what we see or what the devil says. The scripture says Abraham called things that were not as if they were. Uh, the 43rd thing is being under a curse, and, and Christians can be under a curse. Galatians 5.18 says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Galatians 5.22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such, there is no law. So when our life is producing the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law. The way we produce the fruit of the Spirit is to give up our life, die to ourselves, let go of our life, come under the control of the Holy Spirit, and then a character and nature of Jesus comes through. But if we are not, if we're walking out of the flesh, we come back under the law. First Timothy 1, 9 through 10 says, for realizing this that this fact that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for all those who kill their mothers and fathers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. And God's not saying one of those sins is worse than the other. Sin is sin. 
Galatians 3.10 says. So it's, it's also inclusive of any sin that's not even yet been named. Galatians 3.10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in this book of the law to perform them. And, of course, Jesus came to become a curse for us, but we have to appropriate what he did for us at Calvary by taking accountability for our sin and coming back to realign our life with the word of God. Proverbs 3.33 says, the, cur- the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Malachi 3.8 says, Will a man rob God of tithes? But you say, Have I, have I robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Uh, you're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing God. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you're robbing me, God says. The whole nation of you, the whole, bring all the whole tithe into the storehouse so that it may be food in my house and test me in, in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing that until it overflows. Then I will, God says, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of your ground nor of your wine or the, or if your field casts its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. <clears throat> and all the nations will call you blessed for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, in Deuteronomy 28, it contrasts, in the whole chapter of Deuteronomy 28, gives you the blessings and curses. In Deuteronomy 1 through 15, it says, Now it shall come about, if you will diligently obey the Lord your God and be careful to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now, that's encouraging, isn't it? Uh, to know that you don't have to worry about ISIS or you don't have to worry about um, nations coming against you. It says, and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground and the offspring of your beast and the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. And you say, well, you know, I don't have a flock and I don't have gardens. and I, It's talking about your stuff. Back then they did, but it still applies to us today. Blessed, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. That's your food. Blessed you'll be when you come in and blessed you'll be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. Hallelujah. What a promise. It says they shall come out against you one way, and they're going to flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessings upon you in your barns and all that you you put your hand to do, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the offspring of your body and the offspring of your beast and the increase, the produce of your ground um, and in your land which the Lord uh, swore to your fathers to give you and that has to do with prosperity it has to do with the things that you possess the, uh, whether you have a garden or not whether you have animals or not god wants to bless you the lord will open for you his good storehouse the heavens and give rain to your land in its season and and to bless the work of your hands 
and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You can kind of see that credit cards are a curse if you can't pay them off each month. The Lord shall make you the head and not the tail, and you only shall be above, and you shall not be underneath. If, if, if you will listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I choose to, which I charge you today to observe them carefully. But it shall come about if, if you will not obey the Lord your God to observe through all of his commandments and his statutes, which I swore to you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And then, of course, he lists about 54 of them. Curse shall you be in the city, and curse shall you be in the country. Curse shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Curse shall be the offspring of your body, that's your children, and the produce of your ground and the increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Curse shall you be when you come in, and curse shall you be when you go out. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkey shall be torn away from you and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, and you shall have none to save you. People who you do not know shall eat up the produce of your ground and all your labors, and you shall never be, be anything but oppressed and crushed continually. Are you a person that's always having something stolen from you? Hey, you're under a curse. You shall bring out much seed to the field, but you shall gather in little, for the locusts shall consume it. You shall plant and cultivate vineyards, but you shall not drink of the wine or gather the grapes, for the worms shall devour them. In other words, if you have a grapevine, the worms are going to eat it. And you don't have to have a grapevine. Again, I want to say this has to do with your possessions, your stuff, the things that, that concern you. Uh, verse 40 says, You shall have olive trees throughout your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with oil, for your olives shall drop off. In other words, the further you go, the behinder you get. You shall lend, <clears throat> um, He shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. And he shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. And so we need to seek God for the cause of whatever we're going through, whether it's financial problems or any other problem, because the Lord shows me that through everything I go through, he's got a lesson to teach me. And as I learn the lessons, then I have a lesson to teach. And, and the same with you. As you, uh, as you go to God and ask him, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through what I'm going through? The Lord will show you. And if you're not hearing the Lord, then I want to say, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So you need to examine, are you his sheep? Do you belong to him? Have you been born again? <clears throat> you know, I could also add that one as a, as a hindrance to, to um, financial problems, is not being born again. God wants to bless his children. Proverbs 26.2 says, like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, so a curse without a cause cannot light. And so when we fear the Lord and turn away from evil, we can expect to be blessed. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalms 112, verse 1 through 3 says, Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches and honor are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Hallelujah. So what I want to do is I hope you've been repenting of all of these points that I've named. I'm going to lead you in repentance, and then I'm going to do group deliverance. 
and then tell you a little bit about the ministry. And if you want a prayer, uh, when I get through, you can call in at 646-595-4784. Don't forget to press the number one. And so if you're listening, uh, if you'll pray along with me, Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me for disobedience to your voice and your commandment. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you please forgive me for not helping the poor, for shutting my my ears to the cry of the poor. Forgive me for enabling those that are deadbeats that won't work, those that are not trying to live a godly life. Forgive me for being an enabler. Forgive me for my rebellion, uh, God, against you when you're trying to discipline these people uh, through, the, through the consequences of their own choices, and I'm stepping in as their Savior And, Lord, I've been getting a beating, and I ask you to forgive me. I turn my children, my family over to you. From this day forward, I take my hands off them. Forgive me for dishonoring my mother and father. Forgive me for judging them for being poor, rich, greedy, selfish, stingy, um, rich or poor. God, forgive me for wickedness. Uh, Forgive my forefathers for being wicked. God, forgive me for arrogance and pride. Forgive me for obtaining wealth by fraud, for deceiving people. Uh, forgive me, Lord, for trickery, uh, tricking people out of money or cheating people or not keeping uh, covenants and agreements and contracts. God, forgive me for neglecting your discipline. Forgive me for lack of diligence. Forgive me for being foolish. Forgive me for wearing myself out to gain wealth. Lord, the further I go, the behinder I've been getting. Forgive me for being a heavy drinker and a glutton, overeating, being a slugger, being lazy. God, forgive me for following empty pursuits. Forgive me for working with a negligent hand. Forgive me for not being gracious to the poor. Forgive me for being gracious to to, to people that I've enabled. Uh, I've been mad at them, Lord. I forgive all those I've enabled. Because I've been mad at them because they've misappropriated what I've given them. Forgive me for loving pleasure more than I've loved you. Forgive me for and giving to the rich. God, forgive me for increasing my wealth by usury, charging exorbitant interest fees, and, and, and charging interest to brother Christians. Forgive me for being a thief, stealing, for bearing, swearing falsely being involved with a cult, uh, making altars to false gods, loving anything more than I've loved you. Forgive me for false religions. I renounce Freemasonry and cults and uh, sororities and fraternities, fraternities, and I break every satanic covenant that I've made. And uh, Lord, forgive me for being into New Age uh, thinking, into essential oils and all other forms of New Age witchcraft. God, forgive me in Jesus' name for um, imposing heavy rent on the poor. And I forgive those who've imposed heavy rent on my poor forefathers. I forgive those people who wouldn't help my truly poor forefathers. Forgive me for sowing sparingly, which has caused me to reap sparingly. Forgive me for sowing the wrong things liberally and not sowing good things liberally. Forgive me for not being a cheerful giver. Lord, in Jesus' name, forgive me for not uh, turning, fearing you. 
Forgive me for not turning away from evil. I want to do that now, Lord. Forgive me for uh, not loving you and walking in wisdom. Forgive me for not loving you with my whole heart and my neighbor as myself. I forgive all my unrighteous forefathers for the uh, for the ungodly inheritance they've left me. I forgive them for not leaving me a good inheritance. Uh, forgive me for having an evil eye. Forgive me for looking... Uh, keeping company with physical and spiritual prostitutes. Forgive me for being a spiritual harlot. Forgive me for making covenant with you, and my heart has gone after other lovers. I've loved other things. I haven't been willing to deny myself. Lord, I want to deny myself from now on because you said that if I'm to come after you, I have to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow you. And God, forgive me for getting treasure by a lying tongue. Forgive me, Lord, for law, uh, being illegal in my pursuit to get money. Forgive me for doing things illegally. Uh, God, forgive me for writing hot checks if I have. Uh, forgive me for cheating people, not pay, not being willing to pay my bills. Um, let me say this too: if you're in if you're in financial debt and not able, bill collectors are calling and you're not able to you're not able to make the payments. You know, if you just send them a dollar, you're showing God that you're trying to uh, uh, pay back a debt. And basically that's stealing because when you charge things and you don't pay it back, you're really stealing. And so uh, I remember my mother and father had a had a company and they had a propane gas company. And there would be people that owed them money. And then there would be somebody, for example, um, maybe uh, this little old lady that had a house full of kids and she was trying to make it and, and she couldn't pay her bill and she maybe pay a dollar or two dollars, my mother would say, poor lady, she's trying so hard, just don't worry about that. And you see, and I know some of these credit card companies are not like that. They want the whole amount. But, you know, before God, you're, to keep your conscience clear before God, send them five dollars, send them a dollar, send them something every month, send them as much as you can. But send them something, and that shows whether they think it or not, it shows good faith. And write them a little letter and say, this is the best I can do, but I'm I'm trying. So I remember my mother and dad, when they first got married during the Depression, they bought some furniture and they couldn't pay for it. So they go to the furniture guy and they say, I'm sorry, you're going to have to come get this. We can't pay for it. And uh, the, the the guy was very merciful to them, and eventually, you know, they paid what they can. Eventually, they paid it off, and I can tell you they had a good credit rating and they had a good word. You know, your word, your word. the Bible says the good name is to be chosen above great riches. So <clears throat> just keep praying. So, Lord, so forgive me if I've incurred many debts I'm not paying off. And, God, I've lived under the burden of guilt of bill collectors calling me God. And so, God, in Jesus' name, I ask you to show me what to do and help me solve this problem. Forgive me for bearing my talent, <clears throat> having a distorted view of you, seeing you as harsh, stiff, and stern, reaping where you didn't sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Forgive me for laziness and indolence. Forgive me for robbing you of the tithe. Forgive me for not honoring you from my wealth. Forgive me for bringing cursed things in my home. And, I, Lord, I, I don't know which they are. If there's anything that's uh, not good, I pray that you take away my peace every time I look at it. And if it's okay, you increase my peace. <clears throat> Forgive me for bringing an abomination into my house. I curse things into my house. 
Forgive me, Lord, for cursing myself and saying I'm broke. I don't have money. Lord, I've been having what I say. I ask you to forgive me for cursing myself, speaking evil of others. And, Lord, I forgive anyone who's cursing me. Uh, Forgive me for speaking death with my tongue, not guarding my mouth. Uh, God, forgive me for being under the curse. God, forgive me for not for not walking in the spirit. <clears throat> forgive me, Lord, for being lawless and rebellious, being ungodly, being a sinner, unholy, profane. God, forgive me for um, being a mur- murdering, murdering people with my mouth, um, cursing my mother and father, not honoring my mother and father. <clears throat> forgive me for sexual immorality for homosexuality, for kidnapping, for being a liar, a perjurer. God, forgive me for rebellion, living in sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you became a curse for me at Calvary, and you said if I confess my sin, you're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. God, forgive me for disobedience to your voice and your commandments in the name of Jesus, not obeying you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I just repent. I turn to you with all my heart in the name of Jesus. And uh, I forgive my forefathers for everything I've confessed in Jesus' name. Lord, I break soul ties with all my forefathers. I break generational curses, soul tie curses, cultural curses of poverty that have come down on me from my sin and also that's come down on me through the generational iniquities of the forefathers. Lord, I put all of those curses under the blood of Jesus. I break soul ties with all my forefathers. I call back my soul and spirit from them, cleansed, sanctified, and made whole by the blood of Jesus. I send back their souls and spirits to them. I exchange your image for the image of Christ in Jesus' name. Now, every demon of poverty that's come into each person who's listened in the name of Jesus to the sins they've confessed has to leave now in Jesus' name. I command poverty to leave now in Jesus' name. I command fear of being poor. I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit that's blocking their finances, I cast you out of each life in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you said we can give ourselves to you and resist the devil, and he has to flee. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit and let me hear your voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk in it. Again, this is Jerry McGee of Abiding Life Ministries, and you can uh, go into my website, jerrymcgee.com, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com, and you can order. There's books you can order. Uh, There's a place you can sign up for my email uh, and for my daily flyers I send out. I used to send out daily thoughts, and I haven't in a while because of just busyness, but... um, If you'll uh, sign up for our email, we'll send you flyers when we're going to be on the radio. We'll be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp uh, on the 28th through the 31st for our winter Christmas camp. If you live near Hot Springs, Arkansas, you can go. It's very inexpensive, and uh, we have prayer teams that pray for people every morning. uh, on my on my website, there's lots of free CDs you can listen to with deliverance prayers. You can actually get delivered just listening to um, just listening to my CDs. You can go to YouTube.com and listen to a lot. Um, 
And so if you want to, if you want to, um, uh, schedule a meeting in your area for me to come. If you'll just email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net. I'm in Duncanville once a month. My next Duncanville meeting will be next Saturday. Um, I believe that is, let me look at my calendar, I believe it's the 10th of, of uh, it's the 10th of December, which is next Saturday, 2016. <clears throat> And if you're in the Duncanville area, Duncanville borders Dallas on the the south side, and um, it's free to attend. It starts at 10 o'clock, but if you'll sign up, if you'll go into jerrymcgee.com and sign up for my email, then I'll send you a flyer letting you know where I'm going to be and what area I'm going to be in. But I hope you'll listen again, and um, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And if no one calls in, then we'll just close the program. And God bless you. Hope you'll listen again the first and the third uh, Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. God bless you.